boys, here we are, all of us, on a beautiful Sunday afternoon, early afternoon on a Sunday. Um, this is Around the Campfire, where we talk to artists that are taking part in the Ghost Stories YYC show, um, and we just like to, to talk about them and their work, and then tell stories about what it's like to live an artistic life. So today we've got Jamie and Avril. How are both of you? Well, thank you. <laughs> Excellent. I am good. Um, that's great. Uh, yeah, so we're going to start it off and just uh, ask you a little bit about yourself. So we'll start with Jamie, but uh, Jamie, give us give us your story. Okay, well, first, thanks for having us to do this, because this is lots of fun and very generous of you to do. Um as for myself, my education is uh, that I have a Bachelor of Fine Arts in Glass from Alberta College of Art and Design and a Master's of Fine Arts in Glass from the University of Edinburgh. Um, I consider myself to be a sculptor, mostly working in the medium of glass, but quite often uh, mixed media finds its way in there and uh, once in a while performance. Uh, photography is usually a strong component of my work because uh, sometimes the work itself is ethereal or becomes destroyed in the process on purpose and so uh, the photographic record of it or the remnant of that becomes the piece. Um, mostly my work is about growing up on the prairies, prairie life, prairie culture with a strong emphasis on what mortality means to us. Therefore I often find myself out on the prairies looking at and photographing abandoned farms and other structures and exploring old cemeteries. Humor makes its way into my work because I'm pretty bored if it doesn't, and because my subject matter can be really dark. And so in order to not be depressed all the time, I find myself employing a good measure of gallows humor. That's about it for me. That's amazing. What was it like uh, going to school in Edinburgh? Or was it remote? Uh, I went there to try and find out what home means because with having a Scottish background, ancestry, I wondered if you could go go home again, if you know what I mean, if, if, if post-colonials can go back to wherever their ancestry is. And I discovered by living in Edinburgh that you, for me anyway, that's, you can't. And that home is, home is wherever you are. But I found I really um, missed the prairies and was really happy to come home. So, I mean, studying at University of Edinburgh was probably like studying at any university as far as that goes, but it was an interesting cultural experience. And for a person who studies mortality and death, uh, Edinburgh was a great place for that. Oh, interesting. Why is that? Oh, it's full of old cemeteries. It's got a very dark humor of its own, very morbidly humorous. It's hard to explain. It's like a subculture there. It's like... It's like there's a, a, a proper witchcraft culture, but it's not real if it's not tongue-in-cheek, kind of. So it was fun. It's like having an injection of good old British humor, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. And and I find that that's where Canadians, I'm going to say a large part of it comes from that dry British humor, our own humor. Yeah, there's. I think there's definitely links between say like Royal Canadian Air Force and Monty Python. Oh, for just, sure. You know, making fun of your own culture and making fun of your own self. 
Mm -hmm. And your dark situations, right? Because as Canadians, we live in a really cold climate. And if we don't make fun of that, it's just, it gets too grim, right? Definitely. John, where, was Edinburgh, when we were in Scotland, was was that the college that burned down while we were there? Or shortly no, after we were there? The, that was the Glasgow School of Art. Oh, okay. It's burned down several times, I think. And now it's just... <laughs> burned down for the last time yeah yeah Yeah, how many times does a place need to burn down before you call it (laughs) yeah Yeah, exactly it burned while you guys were visiting we got there sort of the day after it had burned down for the second time i think you yeah. say the day after. I think we should look yeah. at the video records. Oh, we said no incriminating evidence on this show. Oh, delete it. Delete it. True. Yeah. So, Avril, you, you tell us a little bit about yourself, too. So, um, yeah, I moved to Ontario. I'm in Windsor since the beginning of March. So how that has been an interesting journey. I'm from Mexico. I've been in Canada almost four years now. And I moved here to do my master in fine arts at the University of Calgary. Um, I specialize more like in drawing and before I was more in, in painting and oil and acrylic. But then when I started to doing my master's, I started experimenting with like different mediums and moving more like three-dimensional. I started doing like photograph, video, performance, but everything like around the concept of childhood, memory. Um, I was also trying to talk about my own experience as a kid and I really showing my work like really personal and even trying to understand my past and how can I heal certain aspects of my my childhood or relationship with my family through my art practice and that was interesting at school especially because I'm like a some Latin person I feel like we are used to, to the sense of trauma or violence like really direct and here in Canada I remember my professors when I shared with them the project they were kind of scared because it was getting a little like personal talking about my relationship with my dad and even like my professor, she was worried for me that people start like questioning or wondering what kind of things happened to me. And I told her, well, like for me, I'm used to like violence is in your face. And then is the way that we deal with our daily life activities. And then she told me, well, in Canada, sometimes we put it like we hide it. We hide like certain kind of problems or issues. And sometimes we pretend that they're not there. So that's why I found pretty interesting, like the different, like cultural difference between my home and here in Canada. But I, I think it, it was a really good experience, like really putting myself out there. And I create like this fairy tale about my, me and my dad. And I made like alter egos about ourselves and try to understand my relationship with him. And, and I think I grew up a lot of from that experience because I, think I needed to have that experience to let go so many so many issues I, I was still carrying from that relationship and after that I felt like I, I, I matured I was able to move on um, my relationship with him changed I mean I haven't seen him for years but I think I was able to to move on and have a different lifestyle 
especially moving to another country like you you can empower yourself a lot because you can make yeah, decisions absolutely. what kind of life you want to have now what kind of people you want to be surrounded by so I think that was really important for me moving here and start making decisions on my own relationships especially with your art practice because I find like art can be like a therapy how can you use it for for your own sake and for like a personal development and how can you share those kind of experiences with your audience and community so yeah I think that has been my journey and after that I don't want to get stuck in that uh topic with my dad I think I'm moving on I'm still like I'm actually using it for these um ghost stories I'm gonna use that story just like to play a little bit with the sense of like um this weird entity that I think is like gonna always follow me that is that like past or that like relationship that I have with him but more in like um fictional or more like um imaginative way but it's not anymore like affecting me at all uh, but I'm still like really in love of playing with the sense of childlike aesthetics and right now I'm using a lot of watercolors like now that I'm here in Windsor and with the whole COVID so I'm more staying at home doing like smaller pieces 2D just in like my desk so it has been a really good experience to to go back to the color and explore with paint and waters I think right now is really nice like really intimate that's amazing mm -hmm. um yeah I'm, I'm such a fan of of both avril and jamie your both of your work um and it, it's it's interesting too because we hear this kind of the stories of where everybody's come from in the art world and how much art has sort of helped them uh you know find catharsis in 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 their own uh stories um and i think it's interesting too because there's such a there's playful elements to both your work right um where where a lot of people talk about pretty serious sort of subject matter um but the I think both of your work probably has like a, a pretty heavy dosage of levity, maybe and, and humor that is really important to the work and how people are relating to it. And I think I mean, what we want to kind of talk about and get into the weeds today is, is about, uh, you know, the benefits of being serious about your work, but also the benefits of not being serious about your work and kind of those two worlds and um and how they collide um and the, 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 the like the importance of i think it's super important to take yourself seriously but it's also equally as important to have that levity and have that humor that you can inject into into your work um so that it especially in times like these where you know everything is very serious it's 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 we're living in a a bit of a waking nightmare for the, the lack of a better term right um and it's the place of artists to take it all seriously and have that ability to distill everything that is going on right now but it's also the place of us to i think inject levity into the situation in humor so that it isn't all so dire um 
it's a big topic actually it's funny we were talking about a little bit before this we're like this seems like it isn't a big topic but i feel like it kind of is it's a bit of a culmination of a lot of things we've talked about recently like imposter syndrome and um uh uh you know hard work and 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 stuff like that but anyways i'm rambling on here a little bit but i just wondered you know um how seriously should we take ourselves (laughs) i guess is a good starting point yeah well can i I'll, i'll address that um i think we have to take our work seriously if you don't take your work seriously you're not taking the craft of it seriously right if do you know what i mean like you you have to take what you do seriously but in like in the process in the process you have to take it seriously but in the concept you can inject levity if that's your bent right and i think it's the duty of artists who have that bent to um, inject levity into their work to look at the serious situations of the world whatever's going on at the moment some of them you can't inject levity i'll just say that right now some just won't some just won't have it 911 um, the recent uh, murders by black pe- of black people by um, police these you can't inject levity but some serious things will handle it will take it right and i think artists have the privilege and the responsibility to take the serious things that are happening and um, recraft the experience to be viewed in a new way that helps us as a helps us culturally and helps us as a, our public our our greater consciousness helps us take it slightly less seriously, if possible. Does that make sense? Uh, yeah, I think um, I think that it's important to not bludgeon the viewer over the head with um, the seriousness of a topic I think it lets lets them in the door a lot easy, more easily if uh, if there's if there's a bit of if there's some lightness to uh, to the topics that we that we tackle and I think all of us have a tendency to tackle some heavy topics so it's yeah it's in my experience, it's definitely a win for both the artists and the viewer to to have some to have a little bit of an open door um, through some levity to uh, to let let people in on the work and let people really absorb the uh, the message you're trying to convey. Do you think that like injecting too much humor? Um, It'll bog that down for sure. Um, but I'm wondering, you know, if we think about, say, things like, oh, you're going back to Monty Python even, um, and sort of the social commentary that a lot of that has. And it's just straight humor. But they're talking about really serious things too. But it almost requires you to distill it even more. I wonder where the breaking point is on having that serious side and that um, non-serious mm-hmm. side, right? Um, for having that humor. Well, the Pythons, sorry, Matt, the Pythons pushed that hard. And and because of that, they were, 
not universally accepted, right? And and really way ahead of their time. So what I would say about that, and I'm really interested to hear Avril's viewpoint on this too, is you can be too gratuitous about what you decide is funny, right? It can be it can be uh, it can be too much, and that might be a kind of Canadian viewpoint. Like we, we kind of soften things a lot, but. Um, it can be mean to be too funny or to make something that's serious too funny. Do you know what I mean? It's true that it's like cultural sometimes. Um, I'm really fascinated with the whole like sense of the memes and how like uh, social media makes fun of everything. There's like, there's something happening. There's already a meme there. And it reminds me a lot of like a Latin humor. Um, and it's the thing, like you're in Latin America, there's always something happening and there's always a joke about for it. And it's weird because it's like a good way to survive it and accept that it will go away and then someone, something else will arrive, but you will like survive it. But at the same time, we naturalize the violence so much, you know, it's weird. It's like a, an in-between like the sense of the day of the death in Mexico we make fun of death and then we celebrate it um, we know that is there and we know that because of the violence maybe tomorrow I'm not gonna be here because something could happen to me and but we are gonna celebrate tonight so is that that weird sense of being present and then just accepting being kind of like pessimist so but yeah, sometimes it can be too much. And I think nowadays it's getting too much because the sense that uh, maybe we're losing hope sometimes. But at the day, I think at the, the end of the day, it's better to just being in the moment and try to take it as light as possible. But yeah, it could be, it's easy to end up in the other extreme for sure. Yeah, it, it's... It's interesting, especially right now. I mean, I feel like there hasn't been a lot of levity in in recent months. So I'm like, I'm almost craving it more. Yeah. Um, like I'm craving comedians to just kind of take a jab at everything going on right now, which is weird. I mean, I, I don't want them to, but I want them to. It's it's a it's a weird dichotomy to have, where I feel like everything has been so serious lately. I'm just like, oh please, can we just have a moment of humor with a lot of this? I wonder if there's a point, too, where a lot of social movements, a lot of art needs to become humorous before people start turning away, too, right? Um, where it's... Turning almost, away from like, the seriousness, like There's a mean? breaking point for people where they're like, I just there just needs to be a bit of humor in this. Um, there need, like, we need to stop taking this so seriously for a moment just to... I wonder if the, the humor in it just puts everything in perspective a little bit. Like it lets people laugh and get something out. Like there's a physicality to laughter that, that expends energy that is maybe pent up and really um, holding you back from emotion almost. And like a really good laugh, like feels great once you kind of get it out. Right. It's almost like crying in a way. Um, <laughs> like oh i just had like a really good laugh and you feel you feel great about it you almost and i wonder too like does anybody here notice when they haven't laughed in a long time 
Yeah. Like, like you sit down and you're like, I haven't laughed like that in two weeks or something. And and you just feel like, oh man, like I didn't even realize how serious I had been for the past like two months. And and you just have this big physical release of laughing it off. Um, and it's so important when you do reach that point. I think after a while, maybe you stop kind of taking in new information. And when you laugh, you release it like some sort of physical physicality and then you're able to kind of okay i've laughed and that was fantastic and now i can start thinking about all of this again um so matt do you feel like as an artist that you have you yourself do you feel that you have any responsibility to bring that to the world um or I no think, yeah i think artists as much as they have a responsibility to take things seriously and really talk about things going on in the world in a serious way i think we also have a big responsibility to to bring that levity yeah totally and to bring that humor to situations um i i mean most overtly i think you see that with comedians right um and i i can't remember where i i i saw this but they were talking about how like we need comedians right now to like kind of break down a lot of this seriousness and it's it's really scary for comedians to do that right now um because it could have some serious repercussions. Um, but it, it, how it's, it's like, uh, I, I, and I wish I remember where I saw this because I'm just kind of talking off the top of my head from remembering it, but how they just, some people are just wishing like, Oh, I just want comedians to just come back <laughs> right now. Cause it feels like nobody has been able to be funny. Um, or even to get together. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, there's that right. as well. Yeah. Um, it's a fine line, I think, between um, bringing, uh, bringing some humor into a serious topic uh, and the flip side of the coin, bringing some seriousness into, a, into sort of a humorous, not topic, but uh, like a, a sort of humor forward piece of art like comedians do and i think oftentimes the best comedy has some poignancy to it but it's still primarily humorous whereas a lot of other forms of art are primarily serious and inject a little bit of humor here and there to kind of lighten the point um and i think it's easier to make at a time like this, specifically when everything is really serious and nobody feels like they're able to talk uh, or, or say anything humorous about anything, it's it's easier and safer to make really heavy, really serious work um, without any humor at all. And it's a lot more brave and challenging to to try to find the humor in some of these really serious topics. And I, I don't know. I, I, risk of sounding like a jerk i think i think there's honestly i think there's humor to be found in almost in virtually any space and it's risky and it's not for everybody but i think there's there is a tiny bit of humor that like like you were mentioning jamie it's kind of gallows humor in a way that 
that gets people through some of these really, really hard situations. And that's not to say that like it humor is there to degenerate the seriousness of the topic. I think it can, can actually benefit um, because it does let people in and it lets people breathe a little bit when there's a little bit of humor that breaks the sort of tension in a room. Um, and so I don't mm. know if that makes sense, but I think my point is that it's, there's, there's really no topics that are, that should be off the table for, for humor because humor is what gets us through some of the most horrible and serious, um, problems that we have to try to solve. Yeah. Like, I think I started loving art with cartoons and I found that really beautiful how artists and creators, they use cartoons to talk about like social issues or sharing their own like experiences through cartoons, but like in a playful and like colorful and a fun way. But sometimes there's things hiding in between or inside that subconsciously you know that they're there, but then like their morals and kids learn, but it's a really interesting way that using humor and fun, there's a different ways and sometimes way more complex way to like send messages instead of being like straightforward seriousness. Um, nowadays are really interesting cartoons for adults that you see in Netflix or other like platforms where I find them really creative, really, really creative to create these like complex ways to to send messages out there. Yeah, I totally agree, Avril. And it makes me think of one way to that the message can be gotten out there in, in a complex way, like you're saying, there's it's interesting when it's complex, right? When it's not too straightforward. And one of the things I think of is bait and switch, right? So some art is really interesting for its bait and switch quality where the viewer gets drawn in by something, well, in the case of comics, bright colors, right? Bright colors and simple shapes and simple um, depictions of people or creatures or whatever. Simplicity and bright colors will draw people in. And so they're, then they're there, they're present. And then the switch, there's a dark side to something or there's a little underlying moral or there's something underneath, right? So in really good art, I love the bait and switch. Um, you get drawn in and then the message is there because you got pulled in. It's like you got reeled in and then, haha, there it is. It's now you're now you're being given something. And if you hang out long enough, it's like a reward, right? Or a surprise. It might be a bad surprise. Yeah, totally. Yeah, I think comics are really good at that. Cartoons, especially, right? Where you just you 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 look at it and laugh almost immediately. Like I'm, I'm thinking of Gary Larson, right? Um, who, yeah, it was interesting seeing um, sort of like the internet and how happy people seem to be that Gary Larson started making art again after I, I can't remember how mm -hmm. long he hadn't really done any work, but it, it was it was like it was almost this this reprieve from all this bad news, and then somebody said, "Oh, Gary Larson has started making comics again." And, and everybody was like, what? That, that's so fantastic. And then you go and read some of them and you're like, wow, this is so funny. And then you think about it, you're like, oh, that's actually really dark. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, but you still laugh at it. 
Um, and comics are so good at the bait and switch. Um, yeah. Yeah, they're really good at that. And then think about it, how social all that is, because you turn around and you go, oh, I read this really cool thing because you feel clever because you figured it out or you saw it or whatever. And you pass it on to someone else. It gets passed on. So the message is passed on and, and it's in motion because somebody had the courage or the driver, whatever it took mm -hmm. to make that piece. Right. And now we're all talking about it. It's good for us socially, like um, comics are kind of like the first, not the first social media, but a, a very primary social media because you could easily describe a comic book sell to, to anybody. Right. And then laugh about right. it. Yeah. So, in Mexico, there was this artist that he started making cartoons to criticizing the political movement that was happening, like all the violence and how like poverty was like really, really intense. And he was making like these little skulls and, and he became one of the most like representative Mexican iconography through his like tiny, like small cartoons. And it was really interesting because he was like criticizing colonization, talking about indigenous and how like when Spanish arrived, they totally modified like the way of living and the culture and the fashion and economy. And it was really, really interesting that he was able to portray everything through just small sketches, black like black ink. And it was a really concise um, message. That makes me think too that sometimes uh, putting out those messages can be mm -hmm. dangerous for the artist, right? You can be pushing somebody's buttons that you shouldn't maybe in a normal day be pushing, right? So there's a great deal of courage to be found in uh, people making art that, that makes a statement that sticks because of humor um yeah yeah i wonder though like if you if you find it, it like in avril's case what was the artist's name um do you remember his, his last name is posada like i will need to find uh jose jose luis posada and you can google okay. his like art and he's just like because he was working for that newspaper and he was making drawings for the newspaper and he was totally being really political oh yeah these are amazing and um yeah, yeah 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 newspapers are pretty famous i mean i'm, I'm thinking of i can't i'm trying to find it quickly here but the um the artist who did the comic about or the the newspaper comic about muhammad who ended up you know i mean just talking oh. about when your your um your art kind of creates a, a pretty big um target on your back but i mean if you've done that do you think that that's kind of like well i've done my job then almost um if 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 your if your work has created such outcry or such response um in its humorous take on something maybe that's the time that you should start paying attention to it I think it's true. Like, I think in that case with Posada, I think like it was needed because like the political crisis that was going in the country, 
they didn't have another choice. And then there happened mm -hmm. the revolution. So like politically, they were in, in a really bad situation. So they were like artists and writers and really like artistic people trying to push for like a more equal life living. So I'm pretty sure in those situations, it was needed like every play, time in history, like wars or artists are always being there pointing out what is wrong and just like mm -hmm. trying to to show the people and the audience don't don't ignore what's going on like you know and that's the power of of images which is funny because it's kind of like it, it's humorous it's 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 kind of not taking itself seriously but in the end it's also extremely serious <laughs> It's 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 like a very it's a double edged sword there. You're walking a really fine blade on falling off on either side. It's a very hard thing to accomplish. And it's interesting because I think that balance of not taking yourself seriously and taking yourself seriously is really it's one of the hallmarks of a really truly skilled artist. Mm. Um of being inject, being able to inject a certain amount of seriousness or unseriousness about a topic. Uh, yeah. I think we were kind of talking about that. Well, where, you know, if you're very direct with your commentary, it's almost too transparent and it's very uninteresting. Um, but if you're able to have commentary that's under the guise of something humorous and, and funny and with a lot of levity to it, people pay attention to it more because it's more interesting to look at or more interesting to digest. Or it's needed in a time, like you were saying, you feel like we need more levity right now because of because COVID's so, so serious, right? So sometimes it's just so badly needed. I think Banksy is one of like prime examples of how he has been able to build a really strong platform and sell art and still being like super humorous and sarcastic and make like crazy uh, graffitis and exhibitions and always having a specific point of view, but you never know if it's real or not, but he's always like true with his own aesthetic that is pointing out how ridiculous is everything, but in a really smart way. Yeah, he's but a really good example of that. He is because he's anonymous, right? And uniquely anonymous. I don't think there's any or very few artists in the world that are in the position he is in with, or she, I suppose. But uh, to, to be able to anonymously um, take a kick at pretty much any topic he wants and in with whatever amount of sarcasm or humor he wants and just hide in the shadows and watch <laughs> what plays out watch um, the world burn after <laughs> yeah exactly and it's yeah because it's a, it's a dangerous thing for for any anybody to do is to speak that openly on and sarcastically on any topic like that that he tackles but I suppose the internet's a little bit of a mirror of that though there's a lot of anonymity that runs around on the internet and people say whatever the heck they want um but with smaller platforms i guess i just uh, on banksy again i'm thinking about you know his intro for 
the Simpsons, <laughs> right? And like the Simpsons is such a, I mean, yeah, the Simpsons is such a great show. Well, it used to be a great show. Um, but on its ability to be hilarious and also have a ton of social commentary and it is South Park as well, right? Like South Park pushes some boundaries for sure. Um, but it's hilarious and also extremely serious in its, in its, um, social commentary. Um, and it, it's, it is amazing to see how like, a lot of people think like South Park, if South Park were to start now, it probably would never get made. But it's only because it's been happening for so long and that that people kind of, it just still exists. Um, Why do you think it, that, Matt? I don't know. I feel like because it takes such a humorous stance on a lot of really serious topics, um, I think that it, it would, it would have a tough time getting going now. Um, mm. And it because I feel like yeah there is there is a a a part of the world now that just is it will not allow humor about certain topics, but like John said, I think really truly skilled artists can make anything humorous and still have it be super poignant and powerful. And I think like Avril, you're talking about how like that's that has been like a hallmark of your work and and just your culture um you know that that's that's just part of it right yeah so i wonder yeah i don't know it's it's going to be interesting to see like how humor plays and seriousness and it plays out in the next little while um and or, how, how, or, or how it changes how it evolves or how it changes yeah how it yeah. evolves um i agree with you matt on on the point that south park so, some things just couldn't be made now, even things that were made 10 years ago. Um, I think, I don't know if you guys are familiar with the film Tropic Thunder, but it's another great example of somehow a film that sort of slipped through the, in that strange period of, of the world where you could still kind of get away with most things. I mean, they blatantly poke fun at people with disabilities, Robert Downey Jr.'s in blackface in the film. Like it's just, it's an outrageous film and it's it's a brilliant film as well. Um, and it's hilarious, but that could never be made today. Um, and if you hear these guys talk about it, you know, um, it's um, uh, Ben Stiller and Robert Downey Jr. And they're, like they, there's a lot of, mutual appreciation between them for sort of pulling it off and then having that the, the boldness to do it and then but they i think they're all in agreement that like this could this just couldn't be made today there's just too much tension in the air mm -hmm. and maybe it shouldn't right like maybe maybe it should never have been made i don't know with with the certain things that it it, it does but I don't well know. artists commentate on their time right so if you think about 18th century political uh, cartoons, they don't really make sense to us today, even. Mm -hmm. So uh, for, for, as an example, so, um, and, and, and Chaucer, his humor, we can barely understand it. So um, as we go along, we change humor to match what we can handle, what we desire, what's um, acceptable. And uh, I think it does really 
evolve. And I think we're in a really interesting time right now with COVID and Me Too and the Black Lives Matter, all the stuff that's so serious that I think is going to evolve everything, but it's going to, it will evolve art and it's going to be interesting to see where art goes from here. So if we want to sort of, we've sort of gone into the large topic stuff. If we want to bring it back down directly to your guys' own practice, how seriously do you take yourself on a, in any given day when you're, when you're making art in your studio, um, how seriously do you take yourself sort of step-by-step step through the process of conceptualizing art and, and then making it, um, Avril, how, how does that process look for you and how serious is it? Um, I think depends on what kind of project I am, because when I was at school, it was a little more structured. I have like a, a whole concept and all the pieces were like around that story. So it really became like, like this, like a tree was growing and all the leaves were like carrying like a different image, but all were like, a new an unit like developing a specific narration but now that I'm out of school it was just has been an interesting way of understanding myself outside that tiny bubble and especially now with COVID and being inside home I think um, I've been having finding a lot of shelter just do doodling and like just exploring with the medium I, I feel like my art or I feel like the way that I found in love with art is because I relate a lot how kids play, like how you, when you're a kid, you used to play and you start so doing something and there's no reason why, there's no rule why, just like a, like a play, a game that you just choose your own rules and then you go along and then if something appears, then you can start like developing more. But I've always tried with myself, be more organic in the way that things appear. And then if I find that it's a, like a idea that I want to develop more, I try to, for example, to jump to three dimensional. For example, I was in Art Commons before I moved here and I had a small residence there in Art Commons in the Lightbox studio. And um, I brought pieces of fabrics and I was thinking I would make a costume. And I sit there and just thinking what I wanted to do with the costume, like why, why I wanted to do costumes, like what was the reason? And then I thought, well, you can create a narration creating a costume because you develop a character. And then you can take photographs or you can make a video and then you can make your own statement through that costume. So... I sit there and I, I don't know how to make costumes. I, I sew everything with hand stitching. I don't know how to use patterns. So I make my own patterns. So I just like use my own clothes to make my patterns. And so it's everything. I find an interesting relationship between drawing and, and sewing. I feel like when I've been exploring with fabric, I also I really love that. Like, the same, the rhythm of the needle going through the fabrics and the same as drawing or painting, really like meditative. So I really enjoy uh, like Jamie, the craft, the craft uh, process or the experience of being there and experience yourself and being one with your work. 
Yeah, I I love that because I think I think you really need to have that childlike attitude. And there's something interesting about like being a child is not being serious, not taking yourself so seriously, and allowing for that exploration and that adventure to happen. That like we're all always as artists trying to get back to that like flow state of just letting things happen and letting the experience wash over you, which I think is inherently not serious because if you get serious about it, then you get kind of scared at the failure and be like, ah, this isn't working out and I can't do this anymore. Cause you know, I'm, I'm, you know, it's, 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 it's not, I'm not being successful at it or, you know, whereas children are just like, whatever, that didn't work out. I'm just going to keep going and try something new. <laughs> so true and it's it's um it's 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 just i mean i was smiling while you were telling me that story avril because i'm just like oh yeah i just love that that sense of like not caring too much about about a result or about being perfect with it or or about even really knowing how to do something you just kind of like yeah i just want to get i want to i want to have that happen you know i want to experience that always me too. I'm totally smiling too, because I love that too, that um, just tucking in and doing it, right? And not, not thinking too seriously about, do I have the tools or the technique to do this? You just figure out, well, I wear clothes and so I can figure out how to make clothes. Yeah. There's something really enjoyable about the automatic component of, uh, of art making when but I think it's sort of ha you have to have a prerequisite amount of skill. Like Avril, you're mentioning sewing needle or or a knitting needle, whichever you're working with, and it's like I mean, you obviously have to know how to do it before it becomes an automatic process. But when you can lose yourself in the automation, it you're not able to take it too seriously you're not able to think seriously about it because i mean a sort of seriousness comes from our ability to overthink concepts and overthink what we're doing and there's a freedom and and a levity to just letting it be automatic and it's the same with with any art practice i think with you know from from my experience with painting if you trust your skills and just paint and let it happen there's there's a freedom in that and there's and there's something not too serious about it because it just comes out and happens totally um jamie what does your day-to-day -day process look like in in terms of seriousness do you are you sitting there thinking heavily about concepts as you're making the work or do you kind of separate the seriousness from the um from the process well, I think seriousness is imbued in the process, but for me, um, I find that I'm, I think about the concept for a long time before I ever put my hand to tools. Um, so it can be months and I, I'll have a lot of projects, five or six projects in my brain, um, kind of working through what does this look like to me so so for example when I think about 
uh, a, a current topic, or it's not a current topic, but currently in my mind, the demise of the bison, okay? I think about my ancestors' part in the de demise of the bison, and I think about what is my responsibility in making a visual commentary about it. Um, do I have the right to do it? Uh, do I have the obligation? Um, can I do it? What what tools do I need? So I, I work all that out ahead of time, and then I, I'm ready to put tools to uh, to the materials. But I have to take the time to ruminate. I have to. Time is a very important aspect of my process. I have to let it also evolve both in my brain and as I'm putting the tools to materials. If something evolves as I'm actually working on it, I try to let that happen. And then because I already have a strong sense of humor, though it's dark and twisted also, I think that that naturally comes through. I, it will find, it'll seep its way into even a serious topic. Uh, there will be some aspect of humor about it. It'll be it'll be found in in a weird color. Um, maybe the bison is blue because blue is a color of sadness or whatever, and and that slightly amuses me or something. Some tiny aspect will be humorous about it because that's what makes it bearable for me to do something that's super serious. You're not stifled by taking it seriously, you know. Well, I almost am. Yeah. Okay. It, it's really difficult to, and I, any any artist who might be listening to this, take heart. It's okay to be really, to be stifled by a thing and just keep kind of working your way through and to it. Because it does almost get me down. I think every piece I make, there's, I've, I've, I've grown in some way because I almost didn't make it every time. Hmm. Do you think that... Um... If do you find like if you if you find yourself taking taking it too seriously, do you ever uh, kind of have a moment and take a step back and be like, okay, I need to not take this too seriously, and that that is what sometimes allows you to reach the finish line on things? I don't think I recognize that um, so explicitly. I mean, I don't think it's so clear to me, but it's possible that I'll get to a point where I'm making a piece about my childhood and some terrible things that happened. And, you know, I'm dealing with terrible subjects. I will just have to put it down and walk away for a while and maybe go do anything else, make cake mm -hmm. or something, because um, something less serious will allow my brain to work through it's a very healing process for me anyway and i think that's true for most or all artists that whatever you make you are you're healing something in yourself so if it gets if the healing you know you're peeling a scab off right and it's just too much you walk away for a little bit and in a time a period of time you can handle it again if you if you take your courage in your hands and so i mean i think it takes a lot of courage to do art that is so true. I think it's hard and it's sometimes a really lonely process and is mm. uh, complex and is, um, oh, and, uh, it's, and especially with social media, especially with so, so much competition, not enough support in the political economic system, not enough support in a really intense um, 
economic, voracious, uh, capitalist, capitalism uh, world where art and culture doesn't matter sometimes for a lot of people. So it, it could be really uh, of hard and dark. But at the end of the day, I don't see myself not doing it. I don't know. I don't know if I'm gonna be like forever being considered myself an artist. Like I'm all totally open if I need to do something else or if I find something that I feel really fulfilled. But I find mm, art and creativity always the tool, the best tool to heal myself and find myself and find my real voice and a, a really good way to connect with people. Like before I started doing art, I was like super lost. I didn't know what I want to do. I wasn't good at school. And then I found art and it felt like I found a path. It was really interesting the way that art arrived to my, to my life. Those words are really going to resonate with the artists who listen to this. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. because... Um, I've never imagined I would leave my country. And then I realized and I did a master in a second language and it, it was hard because I did a thesis and I needed to talk in public in a second language and I don't have family here. I didn't have any friends in that time who like speak Spanish. So I was like, always needed to take, speak English. And it was like really lonely process and hard, but I think it became way easier because I was doing art. Yeah. Yeah. That courage is so inspirational, Avril. <laughs> Thanks. This is, uh, I don't know if we're really talking about the benefits of not taking ourselves too seriously because <laughs> I think we all are very serious about yeah, this. Yeah, I know. And for something that's like, yeah, everybody needs to stop being so serious right now. <laughs> stop being so serious. <laughs> no, it's... Uh, it's remarkable that uh, that we're able to do any art making when when you're when we're trying to tackle you know trying coming from situations that are very serious and trying to tackle concepts that are very serious. It's it's really um, it's really challenging to put that put that onto paper or put that into words or put that into paint um, and not lose yourself in it. I'm talking from personal experience here, just for me, lose, like it's easy to lose myself in, in overthinking the work and overthinking the concepts um, that I'm trying to portray. And I think on the, for me, the, the place to not take myself too seriously is, is in my um, in my place in the world of art making, and I think Avril, you brought it up very briefly. Is is just the the world of social media and, and easy comparison and stuff like that. And it's a topic we kind of belabor a bunch here, and probably in every conversation we have these days, is how poisonous social media can be in terms of just. The, the, the comparison you, you're able to make between your own work and everybody else in the whole world's work. Um, and so I won't get too much into it, but I think it's in that place where, where you're trying to just do what you do, do the best work you can, and that's fine. And that's for me where it's really important to not be too, too serious about, about it. 
like Jamie, you're, you do a lot of planning, you sit down, you do concept, you think about how you relate to the extinction of the bison and, and how your ancestors did. And these are really serious topics. And you got to hash them out. And I do the same uh, with my work. I'm just sort of thinking about all these details of the environmental crisis and, and how we can, tr how I can try to do my part to convey a message about that to people, how to get people interested in the idea and the topic. Um, and that's all in the sort of planning phase and the concept phase. And then, but it's easy for me to get for the work to get bogged down and not ever get done. If I let that roll over into the actual process of, of just putting the paint down, like the actual process of making the pieces. Um, do you guys find that there's, there's, it's important to sort of separate those two at all. I mean, the sort of capital A art, um, as a larger concept and then versus your practice itself and your, your actual application of materials and mm -hmm. letting yourself kind of disconnect from the, the seriousness. Is that, uh, is that important to either of you? Well, what I find is sometimes when I've worked the concept out so completely in my mind, there's no longer a need to make the piece. So I have to, at some point, uh, not not overthink, just like get it partway into thinking and then think about what materials I'm going to use or whatever. Because if I don't, I could, I could be a purely conceptual artist, like purely only uh, working in thought and not actual um, material. So um, there's a level of, I mean, it is a serious thing. And then there, there's a point where I have to um, be disciplined and say, right, if I'm going to think about getting this message out to others besides myself, because for conceptual art, it's it would be largely for me, right? Um, if I want to think about getting that out, then I have to actually take the serious, seriousness to my studio and put hands to tools. Does that answer that your question, John? Yeah, so it's almost, it seems almost the opposite for you. You have to carry that seriousness through or you'll just let it sit there as a concept you will never get the piece done well it'll resolve itself in my mind i will fully resolve the the concept in my mind not resolve the issue but but what it might look like i'll resolve it and then i don't have a need to make it so at a certain point i have to say i've sort of resolved it so now what does it look like in materials right yeah i think like with me i try to analyze because also i over i'm an overthinker but then i realize i'm overthinking and try like no i need to let it go <laughs> so i was talking with a friend one day and we were talking about watercolors and i told her like oh i just got these watercolors but i don't want to touch them because they're new so i want to wait until i have like a good project to use them and she's like no you need to use them like right now. It doesn't matter for what. They just like, just take advantage of it. And I was thinking that's true. Like why I'm saving this bunch of like nice piece of paper and then I never use them. So I'm like, I should need to try to let go and leave behind that. Sometimes I feel like what I'm doing is not worth it or should I wait? I'm like, no, like what I'm doing is for, for myself. 
And then, yeah, talking about social media, I've noticed about that so many times where I'm really bad with social media. I'm trying to improve how I portrayed myself in Instagram and try to be a more professional artist and post my work because I realized I, I don't post enough. And I was thinking, well, I guess I need to do it because that's the way that artists need to portray themselves and show themselves so they can have like followers and you know, and create this like conversation with the viewers and communities. But like, for me, it's like, so just like bits of moments of clarity. But then I, at the end of the day, I get just so lost and wanted to do stuff. But then I wish there was a manual for how to be a good artist, you know, like. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. If it's, it's funny how we always kind of keep circling around social media <laughs> and how it like it we all every show we've come back to it like it, there's almost every almost every time we've done this like we we talk a little bit about how shitty social media is um i don't know if this like is related but i, I feel like as soon as you start there's there's a point where it's seriousness gets too serious and then it turns into pretension um where you know you feel like if you're not saving the world or like if you're not a hero or if people aren't getting my thing that like you're a failure and it's like that's like the that i think that's like the dangerous edge of being too serious um and i think social media totally like um enhances that and and blows that up to a bigger proportion because I don't know. Uh, I mean, for me, I, I I mean, I've taken a bit of a step back from social media personally. Like I haven't posted anything in like months on my own personal account. Um, I mean, and I've had like some really great projects since my, whatever my last Instagram post was. And uh, like, there's a weird urge for me to post something. Cause I'm like, Oh, I'm really proud of this. I should post it. But then I'm also like, I don't really care. Like, um, I don't, and I wonder too, like what you're saying about being like the, the, the projection of being professional. I mean, I don't know if me posting more on social media makes me actually more professional or not. I'm not really sure. Or if I'm just, it's, I'm just still making work. It's, um, it's, it's weird. It's, and, and. Like, I know I'm not, I'm not a doctor. I'm not saving lives. I'm not saving actual lives with any of my work. But that doesn't really also discount the importance of it as well. I know. Um, you remind me of this. Um, when I was in art school in Mexico, someone wrote in the bathroom. It said something like, I can't remember exactly the words, but it was something like, I love or I used to like when I didn't know what was it or something. But the message meant more like, I was enjoying it more art when I didn't know what art was. Yeah. And it was like during my whole art school there, I it was always stuck in my head because it was true. I was enjoying doing art way more before I started art school in a way because I wasn't taking it serious at all. I didn't even know that I was doing art. I just knew that I was in biology because I wanted to be a biologist, but I was always drawing on my notebooks. And then, and then I was like, well, I guess I like drawing. And my, my friends and my family were like, well, maybe you should go to art school. I'm like, uh, no, like, that's not, 
a professor. I want to like save the world. I want to be a biologist. Like these are just like drawings in my notebooks. And then I ended up being moving to art. But it was really interesting doing drawing without knowing what you're doing, but more like um like a release or like just being there, doing something really organic. Like when you were a kid and you were just drawing one of your parents' walls. <laughs> I don't know. Well, John, you always talk to you about how in university, like they almost entirely removed that kid-like, that childlike aspect of just exploring and having fun. And it was just entirely conceptual. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, it Yeah, it, it really teaches you to be too serious. I remember somebody making this piece and it was... It was a punching bag that says, I will not make functional art or something like that. And it was just, it was kind of the, just this way too serious thing that, and that, but that was the, that was the, uh, that was the attitude. That was what was being taught. And it's, it's okay. It's okay. It helps you make great art ideas in the long run, but it doesn't help you take yourself less seriously that's for sure mm-hmm. it seems like it's always a battle actually to, to like you, you everybody's trying to take themselves a little less seriously and it's hard to do right especially i think the more ingrained you get in your profession like no i need to take this more seriously but then there's always a a battle to try and get back to that childlike flow state for everyone yeah. No, I think like we're we're inherently doing something that's not like that is playful and not really all that serious um because it's just creative fun, right? And it comes from a sort of childlike desire to just invent things and mess around and have fun. Um and so the more you sort of professionalize that and take it seriously as a career the more the sort of societal expectations creep in on you and tell you more and more that you have to be earning money you have to be reaching these benchmarks for this to be a real career or a real legitimate use of your time and counterintuitively we're kind of running around just making stuff that's fun right <laughs> and so and just making pretty pictures and so it's yeah it's it's kind of a juxtaposition i think that that comes from the sort of capitalist framework that we all sit in and uh and the fact that we're trying to just have fun and create things in the midst of that yeah i it and maybe maybe it's something that we all need to do more of is is lower the stakes. <laughs> so maybe that's where the seriousness comes from, right? Like we, the state as we get older, the stakes just get higher and higher. <laughs> and we were like, no, we need to just do something that's really low stake, just have fun with it, and and there's no risk, right? Well, I think that was part of the that was that. I mean, I, I know that was part of the concept of ghost stories. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
was to encourage artists to just step out of their comfort zone in a way and and but but make something over in left field that they don't need to overthink too much it's just a it's a different kind of project for a lot of the artists that are involved it's kind of a go over makes make something that's uh, that takes the pressure off a little bit because you're not sort of making your own thing that's 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 you know that's tied to this body of work or tied to a concept that you're overthinking in your own studio try try just sort of loosening up and and trying something different uh, which is uh which i think a lot of artists respond really well to i don't know if that's something that you guys are excited to do um i know jamie that you sort of still are working within well i don't know what this year but last year working within the framework of of the style of work that you still did and it wasn't maybe a huge departure but um you could sort of talk to the experience of how it went last year, uh, whether this was productive for taking some pressure off conceptually mm. um, and, and make maybe let you make something a little bit less serious or um, or not. And uh, Avril, maybe does this do, does this feel like an opportunity like that to you? Um, it's a great opportunity to improve my writing for sure. Uh, Oh yeah, because I realized that writing is like another medium. Like it's another. It's like learning how to draw, or you know, it's just um, and it's really different from writing a paper, like a like academic paper, than like creative writing, where you need to have a certain flow or how do you want to connect thoughts and like create this narration, and. Um, and I was starting to explore that at the when I was with my, my thesis paper and I realized that I really like it. Like how can you connect that image with uh, writing, a uh, uh, written piece, uh, narration, images, letters, how like children's books so beautifully can create like really complex stories and how kids, we grew up with that experience of like learning how to how to read, connecting them with like beautiful images and just how the way that we learn about animals and words. And I don't know, I, I, that's one of the things I remember more about my childhood. So I would love to do that. I would love to like make like children books or like illustrate for people if they want to write a pieces. I would love to make drawings, illustrations for them. So I thought, I think this was what a really good experience for me to make my, my piece, my written piece and uh, create drawings for it. So for me, it's pretty, pretty exciting. It's, it's challenging because writing is a little scary for me, uh, but I, I enjoy it a lot. Yeah, I agree with you, Avril. Um, the writing aspect of it is just another layer of the artwork. And, and I really enjoy that as well, because I imagine that the viewers, whoever views the pieces, gets a little extra something from it by being able to read, read words about the piece. Um, so I really enjoy that aspect of it too, the writing. And, I enjoy, I mean, I'm, I'm just making the work I always make, but what I like is I know some of the artists in the show um, and what work they normally make. And it's so much fun to see 
what people are making that they feel they have the freedom to make without um and it and the the work is in the right place like two pieces that come to mind that i'd really just loved love is bruce watson's um sculpture and melanie uh melanie pope's uh that big chest with the monster in it like beautiful ghost story mythical stuff amazingly crafted um great stories surrounding and just complete pieces and delightful delightful so i love that aspect of i love the aspect of being in a group show where there is that freedom um to explore the writing part and to explore maybe taking an avenue with your work that you don't normally do um and it's acceptable for that place um it's a rare opportunity that I'm super grateful to be involved in. Well, I promise awesome. I wasn't fishing for it. <laughs> 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 was more to see if it was letting you guys take the process less seriously. But yeah. I, I, no, it's, uh, it's great to hear that, that it does kind of open that, open the door and, and let you feel that you, that you can kind of disembark from your regular, mm -hmm process and just uh try something new yeah yeah we all need a playground every once in a while yeah last you know the ghost stories is a playground for sure mm -hmm. you know when you thought when you think about the stories around the campfire and that kind of thing it's play it's downtime it's let's thrill each other right let's uh who can scare the each other the most and it's all very tongue-in-cheek mostly um it's just a lot of fun it's really yeah. fun awesome yeah well thanks so much that was a that was maybe more serious <laughs> than we were than everybody was thinking or hoping going into it but that's that's perfect that's exactly what uh what what we're going with and we maybe we found some benefits of not being so serious maybe we didn't well i don't know <laughs> Time will tell, right? Time will tell. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, uh, so Jamie, where where can people find your work if they want to see see what you do? That's so nice of you to ask. Um, well, online, I would say. I mean, I, I have work in a few places, but not in Calgary, so nothing local. But um, I do try to keep up with social media so I can be found on Instagram um, as Jamie McDonald Gray and I can be found on Facebook. Facebook is kind of my web web page. Sorry to say, but there it is uh, under Jamie Gray Art. And I tend to post a lot of process as well as finished work because I like to encourage other people to know that well, sometimes I just have a disaster in the studio and for some bizarre reason, I feel I have to record that and put it out there to the world. And I think it's generally helpful to everybody to see that bad things happen and you can still power on and figure out what to, what to do with it. So those two places mainly. That's amazing. I appreciate that you post failures. Um, and just is Grave Goods Canada. Is that, that's also you, right? That's so also at, me. Okay. Yeah. So that's at Grave Goods Canada. I think Instagram? that's, I think that's just Grave. I am sorry. Oh, I should know this. It's either Grave Goods Canada or it's just Grave Goods, and that's altered um, Chinaware. That's amazing. Thank cool. you. 
Yeah. Avril, where can everybody see your beautiful work? Um, you can find me on Instagram as Avril Lopez Lopez. And I have a Tumblr, but I'm actually working on my website. So I'm I'm trying to work on it really hard, but <laughs> I'm not very good with computers. So um Yes, hopefully soon I can give you the link and maybe you can share it in the website. But yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Soon I will have like a more professional artist website. But in the <laughs> meantime, I have a, a Tumblr and you can find me in avrolopez.tumblr.com. But I use more my Instagram. Ghost Stories YYC is a group storytelling show where we get all the artists to create new work based on a ghost story, folktale, or urban legend, and then write a short story about it. Uh, it's going to be opening on October 23rd uh, and running until November 14th this year at the Roberta Osberg Gallery. You can find more information on the web at www.ghoststoriesyyc.ca. Uh, and pretty current information is usually going up on our Instagram at ghost underscore stories underscore YYC. Anyways, we'll catch you next time. Stay spooky.